Every so often on our podcast series, we slightly depart from issues within the strict U.S.-China geopolitical context to examine subjects that are indirectly affected. This is just such an episode where we will be speaking about the necessity of diversity and community inclusion in both technological advancement, but also in strengthening our nation against what divides us. As we have seen acutely in the past few years, attacks and hatred toward the AAPI community have become more widespread. Community building and technologies are two methods we use to bring disparate communities together to find common ground. What can we do to diffuse tensions in our communities? How can technology help different groups come together? And why does this all matter to you specifically? My name is Leslie Tisdale-Reagan, and welcome to the Bush China Foundation podcast. Joining me today to explore these questions is YJ Lin, Senior Program Manager at Dell for Startups Strategic Partnerships. YJ, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Leslie. Really excited to be here with you and really share the importance and my passion to help communities to come together. And one of the things I want people to know is that just because we don't necessarily share the exact same values doesn't mean we can't still unite in buildings that will become greater than all of us. Absolutely. I met YJ at an event the Bush China Foundation hosted alongside the Greater Austin Asian Chamber of Commerce and Born Global on innovation insights within the AAPI community. YJ is a community builder focusing on startups around Texas. As a member of the AAPI community and Next Generation community, YJ is well poised to speak with us about his efforts in the technological space. So let's get started. YJ, will you tell us a little bit about your role and objectives at Dell for Startups and what Dell for Startups is, what it aims to accomplish? Sure. So as you mentioned, as a senior program manager for the Dell for Startups program, our focus is really working alongside with startup communities all across the U.S. through their leaders, through media companies, with the goal of letting startups know that whatever technology questions that you may have, you can really rely on us and our advisors. So startups who need help with finding out what they need for the business, you know, we're here to give them any recommendations, knowledge, and discounts. And this really conversation started back in 1984 when Michael Dell, as a freshman on UC campus, realized that no other computer company at that time was creating custom solutions for people. You had these big tech companies that were offering one solution that fits all for everyone. And we realized that people are unique. And so it's really fascinating to see that one of the biggest questions that we are answering when it comes to digitally transforming organizations isn't really about having the latest technologies. It's really exploring how we can equip people with the right tools and empower them to be the best version of themselves. It's not about having technologies and access of what we actually need. And so our mission, our goal is to show these startups that whatever advice or help that you need when it comes to technology, we're here for you. So what made you interested in this career path and how can others pursue a career in building strategic partnerships in technology? To be honest, Leslie, I didn't even know what career path I wanted to take till last year. For the past 26 years, I think a lot of it was really discovering what I wanted to do because I loved everything. When I truly mean that, I would obsess over 
the different industries and topics where every time I'm trying to buy something, I would spend four or five hours uh, exploring on what is it about this, this product I'm about to buy that will provide value to me. I remember one time I, I wrote uh, on LinkedIn that I just spent 25 hours uh, doing research on a coffee table for, for my house and how we should pay interior designers because the amount of time it took me to uh, find a coffee table and how much I get paid to do was in excess of thousands. And my boss, you know, saw the post and said, why do you obsess over the, the dumbest things? But, you know, for me, it was just realizing that I don't actually have time to do everything. I don't have time in the world to want to be good at everything, to learn how to do everything myself and realizing that I found my purpose in fulfillment and really collaborating with other people. Because no one's good at everything, because we don't have time to be good at everything, because no one's going to wait for us to do everything to, to serve them and realizing that's what communities are for. You know, what communities are is people who are relying on each other's strengths and trusting each other on supporting on our weaknesses. And how can we share this understanding to anyone that's building organizations and communities? And it was only recently when I realized that's all I care about and that's all I want to do for the rest of my life. That's a great segue into my next question, which does talk about community building. Let's talk a little bit about your role in community building, both inside and outside of your job. I know you do this inside your workplace, but also in your personal life. So what does community building look like? And how do you engage new people and businesses to join in? What gets them excited to join your efforts? A little bit what I do you know, for Dell is engaging with started community leaders across the U.S. What I try to do for Austin is how can we better unite different startup organizations locally to be more connected in in our initiatives and our goals and realize that we can rely on certain communities who are better suited for certain things and and figure out how we can support each other and and refer each other for the rest. And then I think something I also noticed with, with the Austin community as well is that there are a lot of these, you know, tech professionals. There are a lot of these big tech companies are, are building, you know, new headquarters and a lot of people are moving in. And so how can we better unite, whether it's the Asian Chamber of Commerce with the Asian tech professionals or the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce with the Hispanic professionals and better unite a lot of these uh, different professionals uh, at a more common level. And the way that I define community building really is ultimately how can we create experiences and roles in which we create opportunities for members to connect with each other at a deeper level. And what big corporations like Dell do once we reach the size of 160,000 employees is how can we create, you know, employee resource groups? How can we create groups within our company that we're no longer just connected with Dell and our mission and purpose, but how can we help our employees connect with each other in other areas of their lives. And the biggest part of community building really requires us to reflect on what those weaknesses and strengths are. And the metaphor I like to use is like a puzzle piece that, you know, who can we put together to be able to see what the bigger picture could look like? I mean, the puzzle piece itself is already an art, but the grand picture won't be realized unless we are able to bring all the pieces together. And that's really how I engage businesses and organizations on what collaboration could look like by showing them what the picture could be like if we combine our efforts. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of having diverse voices 
you mentioned the Asian community, the Hispanic community, but what's the importance of having these diverse voices in the communities you work with? Um, so in terms of diversity and inclusion, what are the current dynamics in both the startup world or in these communities you work with? I see the world as a spectrum, right? And so we can either work with our complete opposite or work with our clone. And I can tell you right now, I would definitely not want to work with my clone because my own insecurities will be doubled. And as far as my strengths, you know, I, I can take care of them myself, right? But here's the thing. I don't think I want to work with my opposite either because if we value the complete opposite things, nothing will ever get done. We'll, you know, get pulled on completely opposite directions. So the idea here is how do we find people with different perspectives with also a common ground? You know, there are unique challenges that certain races, certain gender, certain generations and culture will face. And if you combine all those factors with each other, you get a multiple of different experiences. And so what does that mean for leaders is understanding that if we want to build solutions that impact the world, that the solutions that I only care about, then what are the experiences and struggles does my organization need to be able to relate to? And until we understand that we are limiting ourselves by not having these diverse talent experiences and voices, we will be limiting ourselves to how much of the world we can truly serve. So you yourself, as a part of both the AAPI community and the next generation, you know, what's your take on how very different groups can find that necessary common ground? We can find common ground by finding a common purpose. And if there isn't any that you can think of, then I'll share this. At the highest level, we live in the same world with a strong desire to live and multiply. So how can we both utilize our strengths to support it? What is US known for and what is China great at? How can we both take our strengths and support each other's weaknesses so that we don't produce mediocre results trying to do everything ourselves? And despite political challenges and conflicts that people have, which I'll be honest, I'm a little bit naive to, we can look at businesses where it's going globally and we can look at, yes, they may be working with several legislators and government officials to push certain policies. But if we look at the employees that we are hiring, regardless of what is going on between the history of the countries that we live in, we have to work with employees in other countries if we want to keep our jobs. And a lot of them are better at certain things than we are. So if we can learn from how businesses unite employees, which is a shared sense of purpose, then we should ask ourselves, when it comes to government, is what is that common purpose that we both want to strive for? I think that's really well put. I think a lot of people know that some of these big flashpoints, such as climate change, such as global public health, are, are common goals of both countries as well as globally. But often I think we we look at those kind of very macro goals without seeing some of the micro goals that we could collaborate on, you know, one of them being manufacturing, trade, things like that. There's a lot of small ways that collaboration can build trust and find common ground between two very different countries. So I think what you said makes a lot of sense and really applies to the work of the foundation as well. But I did want to move on to technology and business, which you are in the uh, the clear nexus of in your job. So you work with many startups with a variety of backgrounds. 
What are some of the trends you're seeing with startups today? What they're focusing on, uh, what they're interested in, and how successful they are? Well, I'll be honest. It may be just because of the work I do. For me, I pay very close attention to how people are building their teams and communities, how people are getting together to serve others. So for me, what I notice is more so startups and organizations now are placing a focus on how to unlock people's hidden potential. And what this may look like is really simply being more aware of the mental health and wellness initiatives to providing them with the technology and tools to allow them to work anywhere and on anything they want. And also on democratizing solutions as a way to revolutionize tradition businesses. And an example of that is what Airbnb, Uber, Swimply, Grubhub did with the hospitality business. But how do we apply this to mortgage, to healthcare, to even investing with crowd investing platforms for people who aren't SEC accredited investors? On the issue of technology and the intense competition between the United States and China for technological supremacy, you know, that's one of the biggest areas of contention in the relationship, the competition for technological supremacy. So this is one of those macro issues I was talking about facing kind of the entire global community. And it's interesting when you juxtapose it with the micro issue of community building for startups in Texas, not to downplay it at all, but they're just two different scales of issues so is global competition, you know, a major concern for the startups that you're working with? And how does innovation play a role in your work? I'm kind of torn, you know, because the biggest thing that I talk about is how do we collaborate with each other? But it's also really beautiful that we have competition and I'm excited to see the results of it. And ultimately, the people that are going to benefit from organizations competing with each other is the people that we're both trying to serve. Because you and I, we're both going to choose the product or technology that's going to best enhance my life. And regardless if this technology is from China or the US, I'm going to think of whatever is the most cost efficient and allows me to be the best version of myself. That is the one that I will buy into. And that really goes into innovation, realizing that technology will never really be perfect because the people who are building it are not perfect either. So how can we continue to evolve on what currently exists? But if you were to ask me if I was a startup, if I was an organization, if I was a nonprofit leader, what should I do about these concerns of competition? Well, what I will say to them and to others is focus on your strengths and then to collaborate with people on your weaknesses. So is that the advice you give when you meet a new startup? Are you first looking at their strengths and weaknesses and advising on folks that they should connect with? Is that kind of how it works for you? Absolutely. You know, I would talk with them about like, what is the thing that you believe that your team is most capable of? And I know that for startups, they sometimes look at their competitors and compare results. But what I often see with, with startups and organizations is that they may be trying to do too much at once. And what happens with that is that the people that are receiving your insights or the experiences that you're building will just receive mediocre experiences. And so if I find that there's two startups that are working on complementary things, right? The question is, how can I focus on one and really build a relationship with the other so that we can both deliver value to our customers? 
Moving on a bit, you and I are both, I think, in the coined younger generations, the upcoming, the rising, the next. I get a lot of it. Um, I don't know if you do too, but um, how do older generations and younger generations approach startups and technology? And how does the interaction between those generations play a role in your job? It's also one of my favorite conversations. I feel like we can go hours on this. It really kind of goes back to the comment about how different race, gender, and generation will face challenges with different reference and perspectives. Quite frankly, you know, our older generation dealt with different types of technologies and the way that our new generation, you know, works and experiences with technology is completely different. But here's the thing. If I want to build solutions for people older than me, then I need to know what they think, what they care about, and what's important to them. And if I also want to use the same technology to help support students, then I also need to ask them what they care about, what they think about, what's important to them. And if technology has a desire to be inclusive, then we really need to find a common ground between generations. Or we could be just creating technology that only supports a single generation. Yeah, that reminds me of um, at that event you and I were both at, someone saying that the average age of a founder of a unicorn business was, you know, like 40 or something like that, something much older than I think we imagine um, when we talk about startups, when we talk about, you know, young people kind of revolutionizing technology, when in fact, it's very multi-generational and that clients and customers have to interact with each other to find solutions that work for everyone. So it's very interesting. And, and an example of this is, you know, our older generation, our used to building relationships with in-person meetings or with handwritten letters. But the newer generation, they're probably more focused on, hey, how do I build a deeper meaning, connection, or relationship with people virtually? At the same time, I'm also, you know, added to this community where I can get to know a lot more people virtually, but the relationships are a little bit more shallow. And how much effort does it take or how do I learn to build intimate relationships with specific people online? And so really bridging these two experiences and perspectives, you know, how can we create, you know, communities and platforms where we are taking consideration with what are events that we could do in person with those handwritten notes and letters at the same time, how can we engage them as well on a virtual connected community? Yeah, these are really interesting questions to continue to explore. We could talk about this all day. Um, but as we begin to wrap up, I just have a couple of final questions. So the first one is about the importance of mentorship in the community building within technology. And also, as we were just talking, in cross-generational interactions. So just curious about your experience with both having and being a mentor and how important it is to success in these technological fields. Also, it's a topic I'm very passionate about. And I am extremely blessed to have hundreds of mentors and mentees who I can reach out to and who are able to reach out to me anytime. And something I share with my peers and students and others is that Really, the four P's of mentors and mentee relationships. So there's four types of mentor-mentee relationships that you should have with people and that you, sh you should look for in your life. And the first one's professional. How can I find someone who is pursuing a career, who has 
a lot more years of experience, whether that's 10, 20, 30, 40 more years experience in a specific industry that you're interested in. This professional mentor is someone who can help you with understanding what it takes to be in this industry or to be connected in this industry. And the second one I would suggest is you also find a peer mentor, someone who might be similar of age or similar in life stage, who might be a further ahead of you or maybe at the same level is going through similar challenges with you. And it's someone that you can talk to about the challenges you're both facing and how you can learn from each other that's relevant to what you're working on now. The third type of mentor relationship I will look for is personal. You need someone who can help you be grounded in life, knowing that life isn't about work. Life is about family. Life is about building communities. Life is about, you know, whatever you believe in that could be bigger than yourself. And life is also about work, but someone who can help you with keeping a balance so that you don't burn out in one specific area of your life. And then the last one, which I don't think a lot of people are aware of, but people who have been mentoring others are very conscious of is to have a protege. You and I may be of a younger generation, but there's an even younger generation out there. And what is the value of being able to mentor people that are younger than us? And the value simply is that they are encountering challenges that you and I never had to face as a kid, whether that's mental, whether it's how they connect with each other, whether it's the way that they utilize technology. Some of the things that our people younger than us are facing are things that we can learn from. And so for us to share our insights and knowledge and for them to take that and apply it to their life, we can learn how they're experiencing the things that we struggle with. And that's something that we can derive value from by helping them. And so these are four things or four types of relationships whenever I meet someone. You know, I, I sort of put them in buckets of, is this someone who I see as someone who could be my professional mentor? Is this someone who is my peer that we can share challenges with? Is this a personal mentor who can make sure that you know, I'm not burning out by placing a lot of my attention at work or just someone that I can teach and also learn from at the same time based off of the experiences that they're receiving from me. That is really insightful. I've had personal and professional mentors, but certainly can do a better job of finding those peers and also those next rising generations, the one right under us and helping them help me as well. So that's really insightful. And I appreciate the four types of mentorship. I had never heard that before. So to wrap up, what unique contributions can people, particularly the AAPI community that the foundation works with very closely, make to increasing diversity and inclusion in tech and startup fields? Ultimately, at the end of the day, I really desire for people to connect to each other as, as individuals, right? Because of our own individual experiences. And even our, our VP of, you know, DNI at, at Dell Technologies, you know, one of the big focuses, how can we create more intentionality by supporting the employee resource groups, whether that's our Asian in actions, the Latino connection or box in action or our next gen, you know, ERG group or interfaith community group and all these different ERG groups or employee resource groups that can help the employees to connect to each other at different levels besides our job. But for us is really understanding that in the AAPI community, 
we have experienced trials and struggles that are unique to our identity. As immigrants or as first or second generational Asian Americans, we have a blend of cultures between some of the greatest countries around the world. And for technology to be truly inclusive, it should be a no-brainer that we should be able to see how we can contribute to global solutions. And people who don't see value, I would argue, will never create solutions that will make any significant change in the world. YG, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your fascinating perspectives. It was my honor, Leslie. Always uh, a pleasure to share my perspectives and really just excited to see what people will discover from this and apply with it. Remember to look for the Bush China Foundation podcast on our website, SoundCloud, and Spotify, where you can follow our conversations like today's conversation with YJ. As always, thank you for listening.